Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, it's been a while. Um, Dennis, it's good to talk to you. Good talking to uh, you. Long time and, no talk. Uh, it's been two, three weeks since our two, yeah, most it's been two, re- two weeks. Two weeks since we recorded our last episode. Um, and uh, that was Single Drop of Rain. Mm-hmm. It seems so long ago that if somebody were to ask me when Single Drop of Rain came in the fourth season, I would be like, well, clearly it had to be in like the first you know quarter of the season because it feels that long ago to me now. I know. Even though yes. we know it's in like the last third. But um, Welcome to Fates Wide Wheel, a quantum leap podcast with two tired dads. <laughs> two busy dads. Indeed. Uh, yeah, my, my household has been a little sick. This past week, I have avoided it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hattie has has mostly avoided it, but it's hit Jess pretty pretty hard. So it was the same. I think there was one night we were supposed to record, and I had to cancel because mm-hmm. of a sickness in uh, my family. Because uh, Betsy was really, oh yeah, it, yeah. it it didn't last as long as it sounds like it went on with Jess, but hit her. It hit Betsy really hard for yeah. a couple of days. Yeah, well, and you know, and speaking of which, we were all set to record our um, overview of Unchained, mm-hmm. um, which we are eager to do. However, as people on the face group book may know, uh, may have realized, that's not what we're going to do with this episode, because the day that this episode drops, Tuesday, March the 26th, which is when it will drop, because I will have it edited and ready to go, in time, <laughs> uh, is the 30th anniversary of the premiere of Quantum Leap. These are momentous times that we live in right now. <laughs> um, 30, 30 years. years of Quantum Leap. It is, I, quantum Leap has not been in my life for 30 years, but it has been in your life for 30 years. That's right. Uh, so without going into too much detail, because we've talked about it before, the first time that I ever watched Quantum Leap was indeed on the premiere date. Um, we were living in Independence, Missouri. I was in our den and uh, watching the old TV that had the Nintendo hooked up to it, um, had probably just finished a rousing game of Duck Hunt, was in my pajamas, something like that, I don't know. And uh, uh, I do remember pretty vividly, though, um, that, that, that episode and that moment. Um, it, it really hit me. Um, there was just something about it that was quite magical, and, and you know, I stuck with it for the majority uh, of the run. There were a few... You know, I mean, being a kid, obviously, uh, there's there's a few episodes that I missed here and there. Not quite understanding that sometimes television shows changed nights, so that that certainly got me a little out of sorts from time to time. Um, and I, I think I want to say, you know, that that there were a couple of episodes in the first season that I might have missed, um, a few in the a few in the second, um, quite a few in the fourth. I know that I missed quite a few fourth season episodes, uh, but the fifth season, I, I think I watched in its entirety, uh, first run. Um, Hmm. I can remember, you know, pretty vividly Lee Harvey Oswald. We'd moved at that point. We were actually in a suburb of St. Louis by that time. Um, and I remember watching the, the series finale specifically because I had a TV in my bedroom at that point and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bawled my eyes out. But, uh, but, uh, Genesis 30 years ago. Yeah. I was sitting in our den and I watched that episode and just the first like 10 minutes 
it was it was really like uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen. Um, now, as we'll talk about a little bit later, older viewers that would certainly not have necessarily been the case. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll go into a little bit more depth, but that was my first quantum leap experience. Dennis, what about you? Mine, I was late to the party. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, watching TV with my dad one night, and in our household. Uh, whatever dad wanted to watch, that's what we watched. Uh, you could sit and watch TV with him, but when he got bored, he changed the channel, and that was that. Don't bother Don't bother making a fuss. Didn't matter. He watched what he wanted. Uh, so we come across this scene of this white guy arguing with an old white lady about how it is wrong for her and other people to call him a... I'm going to be as safe as possible to now call him one N word. That's a little bit more acceptable because it sounds too much like the other N word. That is definitely not acceptable. Yeah. And that struck me as weird and probably struck my dad as weird because I was a young kid, but I grew up in white County, Illinois, where they'd prefer to keep it that way. (laughs) So I knew that, um, people that were called the N word usually weren't white. So that got me and my dad's attention. Uh, this, of course, was the color of truth. Uh, this was not uh, color of truth. It was obviously it was a first season episode, but this was a rerun sometime in the middle of the second season. Uh, so we watched the end of that episode. I was compelled, uh, but it wasn't until a couple of weeks later until I saw the first original airing of Pull Hall Blues. I caught that episode in its entirety, and from there I was hooked. Uh, didn't watch all the episodes live. A lot of times they were taped off TV and I would watch them the next day. Um, but then, yeah, from there through the end of the series, I watched the episode live with the exception of Runaway from the third season because we had a bad storm that night and the power went out. So I did not see that episode until it was on in USA reruns. Mm. And to this day, almost 25 years later, Runaway lives in this weird lost episode space in my brain. Sure. I can, um, I can totally get that because there are a few episodes like that for me as well. I think um, Trilogy would probably be up there. Um, there's one episode and, and, and to the point where it doesn't even come to mind now where I remember seeing The Leap Out and I was so excited to see the episode and then I didn't get to see it. It might have actually been Curse of Tahotep, which is funny because after having seen it in syndication on USA, I don't have very fond memories of that episode. But I think uh, I remember seeing, that, yeah. seeing the leap in and I was like, "Ooh, mm. this looks like fun because I was also really I think that was around the same time that Young Indiana Jones Chronicles had started airing and I was really into that. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this looks like, uh, you know, it's going to be a really good, fun episode. And then, yeah, I don't think I saw it in first run. And so it was a few years later. Uh, after we'd moved to North Carolina, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Moved to North Carolina when I when I saw it on um, USA. Um, so I think it would probably without you know I mean we, we don't want to get into too too much detail uh, just because I feel like probably a lot of our listeners have a bit of a working knowledge of some of these things, but it would be good to highlight uh, a couple of uh, elements of the creation of the show. Um, and the big question is, I think, for anyone that knows anything about Don Belisario's background, is how does a guy from, you know, middle of nowhere Pennsylvania 
a former Marine with a journalism degree from Penn State who's worked on, you know, a handful of TV shows and created a few, like, successful ones, like Magnum P.I., obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, go from, from that to creating this... What is now, I, I think, beloved sort of cult uh, sci-fi fantasy television program um, that was really unlike anything that was on television at the time, and with a couple of exceptions here and there, unlike anything that had really ever been on television. Um, sure, there are some common strands with like Time Tunnel. Um, there's an episode of Battlestar Galactica which. Oddly enough, Don Belisario did work on, which um, has some similar elements about a guy who ends up on an alien world in a in a white suit, much like the Fermi suit that we see in the beginning of, the, uh, of Genesis and in the in the uh, opening credits of the episodes, uh, who appears to the rest of the aliens that he's with to be one of them. And has partial amnesia, can't remember how he got there, that sort of thing. Uh, mm. And when Belisario was asked about this, apparently at a convention later on, he said that he had no memory of that whatsoever. That it had been, you know, 20 years, nearly, uh, by the time, you know, Quantum Leap came around, which hadn't been, it had been like 10, but still. Uh, uh, that he didn't really recall that or the connection at all. As you and I have talked about, and as Belisario has also talked about too, I think that even though Time Tunnel obviously you know, being a time traveling television show, uh, where the guys had to kind of fix something that that had gone wrong. And and certainly there are some similarities, although that show went into the future as well as into the past, um, that, uh, in a lot of ways, the show has more in common, certainly a more hopeful tone, uh, with shows like Twilight Zone and The Fugitive than it really does with any of these other shows that either Belisario had worked on um, or had dealt with time travel before. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Let's discuss. I don't know. We, um, I, I think where it lifted a thing from Time Tunnel that's interesting is, um, if you've never seen Time Tunnel, time tunnel which I would guess is most of our viewers, is that the, the impedance for for. for the, the time experiment starting prematurely is that they were about to get shut down by the government, yes. which we never actually see on Quantum Leap, but it becomes part of the saga cell in the second season, saying that that's why Sam initiated the leap to begin with. Even though that's never actually said in an episode, that's put into the introduction in the yeah. second season. And for what it's worth, and a novel that I feel like we should maybe talk a little bit about over the course of this particular episode, it is fairly explicitly... Uh, chronicled in the novel prologue, which is you know basically the prologue to the series, <laughs> a prequel, mm-hmm. if you will. Yes, um, and we've talked about it before. Uh, Quantum Leap is almost a little bit kind of like a sci-fi highway to heaven. <laughs> yeah, there's a little, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of that in there. Um, yep. So yeah, um, and. and yeah, so that's my that's my thoughts. That's my thoughts on the show and its beginnings. Now, it's worth noting that Matt Dale, um, in his book Beyond the Mirror Image, um, you know, chronicling sort of the beginning of the show, um, also brings up um, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, which does indeed deal with the fact that um, 
a couple of the apes travel back in time um, mm-hmm. and you know in essence end up actually starting the entire evolution if you will slash mm-hmm. revolution that leads us to the original planet of the apes mm-hmm. um, I actually dig that flick a lot I think it's the the perfect balance uh, of, of sort of the sci-fi you know darker themes that that series dealt with as well as uh, some humor um, sure you know the performances are fun it's you know I, I as a kid I, I really enjoyed that still do yeah um, of course we're not that far removed from back to the future. Um, and then uh, apparently he brings up a show, which I'm not familiar with called Captain Zero, um, which aired from 1951 to 1956. And it, um, dealt with, um, Captain Zero working to safeguard mankind and history from impending harm. Um, you know, basically this is future boy here. Yeah. Uh, Well, you you, you you do remember, we, we do see Captain Zero in Quantum Leap. We do. The final episode. Oh, right. Because he's played by... Um, when they're watching the, it together, Mo uh, Stein, or Ziggy, in the final yeah. episode, he shows up, as a, as he, and he's like next to Sam as Sam is watching Captain Zero on the TV in the bar. Nice. Yeah. And... Uh-huh. Um, Somewhere I read that Scott Bakula, when they were first doing press for the show, when it was debuting, he described it as Back to the Future meets Peggy Sue Got Married. <laughs> okay. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's funny because apparently Belisario did start um, the genesis, if you will, uh, of the idea actually started in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and initially... Um, the idea that he had originally was about a medical researcher who found out that he had a congenital disease that skipped a generation. Um, but he devised a method to go back in time so that he could inoculate his grandfather and in essence cure himself. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the, the original premise. Um, I think we're okay with the fact that that didn't survive, honestly. That I'm good. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm not saying it's terrible, but like I could see that'd uh, be like a TV movie of the week. Yeah, but as a TV series, I don't know. Um, But then, apparently, he and Deborah Pratt, uh, who had met during the uh, run of Magnum P.I. uh, in the sort of mid to late 80s, uh, each of them independently were reading some books that had to do with physics and, 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 you know, space-time. Apparently, he was reading a book called Coming of Age in the Milky Way um, by Timothy Ferris. And that over the course of reading that book, he, in essence, started to develop what in the show became known as string theory, you know, just kind of piecing together little elements of the book and, and, you know, uh, fictionalizing them, you know, peppering them in with a little bit of the 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 fantasy that that makes the show work. Uh, Deborah Pratt, on the other hand, had been reading A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking Mm. Um, and uh, the, you know, a lot of 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 kind of the idea that you know, if Sam were to travel through time because mass cannot be, you know, created or destroyed, that he would not be able to actually like literally travel to another point in time as himself. He would have to switch places with someone. And so the idea being that when he would switch places, instead of that person getting thrown into, you know, the Sam's present and then Mm -hmm. Sam being in in his past, that, that he would take on their, their form. And I, and, and apparently that was Deborah Pratt's idea. Uh, she okay. was the one that said that, you know, it would make sense if they couldn't see him, that that would 
give them more flexibility. And that also, in essence, fed into you know the the Twilight Zone aspect, the anthology aspect of the show. Sure. Um, and uh, it's interesting because uh, the apparently the the creation of Al is is up for some debate as to who is responsible for that, mm-hmm. whether that was Don Belisario or Deborah Pratt. Um, I've, I've heard it both ways. I've heard each of them tell it both ways. Okay. Um, so, uh, who knows exactly how that came to be, but the idea, obviously, that he would have someone to talk to a link to his own time sure. that no one else could see uh, as well, I, I think is, is part of the genius of the show. Um, and, and clearly, as we've talked about over the course of these past 60 episodes, is an incredibly important relationship. And, mm-hmm. and the you know, really, truly the character development that occurs with the show uh, is brought about because of the relationship between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when they pitched the show, um, and, and, and Dennis, I know that you, that you, you know, you, you know enough about this, but when they initially pitched the show, uh, they were met with kind of head scratches. Mm-hmm. Like, you, what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, it, well, I remember reading it, that that the head of NBC told Belisario that if it was anybody else, he would have been laughed out of the room. Yeah. But since it was Belisario and he had a track record with Magnum PI, so on and so forth, they're like, "Yeah, go ahead and make your show." Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and that uh, executive was Brandon Tartikoff. I never um, remember how to pronounce his last name. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, he came in hot on the heels at that point, really, of Magnum P.I., mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, that that really, I mean, if you're a fan of Quantum Leap, you need to thank Magnum P.I., and mm-hmm. I think a lot of fans of Quantum Leap, especially from back in the day, you know, are, are very familiar with Magnum P.I. Oh, sure. Count themselves as fans of Magnum P.I. I mean, Magnum P.I. was huge, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, 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 uh, it obviously made a huge star out of Tom Selleck, um, it also did it. is responsible. Did it? I mean, did it? Did. Yeah, man. Did like, it? He was he was big. Yeah, but uh, yeah, okay. I'll give it to him. Uh, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm, I, in, in the television realm, look. In the television I'll, realm, yes. And, and I will say this. Yes, I will say this. The number one thing that I am grateful for for Magnum PI has absolutely nothing to do with Magnum PI. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the fact. That due to scheduling, it meant that Tom Selleck could not take part in a little film called Raiders of the Lost. I Army. was going to mention and that. Yes, that is why I am grateful for Magnum PI. Yes, <laughs> that would that would have been interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, which is yeah, uh, which quick digression is actually kind of funny because it was the same thing that originally kept Michael J. Fox out of Back to the Future. But when Eric Stoltz didn't work out, they were like, "Do whatever it takes, get Michael J. Fox here." And get they it, did. get they it back it here. Oh, and this uh, he didn't w- sleep for three months apparently. Oh but. yeah, yeah, because it was like shoot. Uh, 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 I can't remember the name of the series right now. Family ties. Family ties. Yeah, uh, family ties during the day and, and go shoot uh, Back to the Future overnight. Uh, one last tangent before we get back in. So I follow a lot of uh, Back to the Future groups on on Facebook, yeah. and, and and a regular thing is like uh, people will post uh, publicity photos and behind the scenes photos of Eric Stoltz during the filming <laughs> of that. Because if yeah. you're not aware, they got about they filmed about three quarters of the movie with Eric Stoltz. And so, and every shot you see, it's like, oh, that movie so would have not have worked. 
oh, with yeah. Eric Stoltz because it was clear just even from the from the photos that you can see is that he was playing Marty very dramatically. Yeah. And the plot of Back to the Future does not work as a drama. Because when you look at it as a drama, it's a it's a real mind fuck of an Oedipus thing that eventually cumulates accumulates uh, cumu- cumulates. I can't even think of the right cumulates, word. Yeah, Cum- cumulates, uh, uh, it ends up with culminates. Mar- culminates. Culminates. That's culminates. it. It culminates. We're too tired days. Yes. Yeah. Too tired it culminates with Marty's scheme to get his mom and dad back together is to fake a sexual assault on his own mom. Yeah. Doesn't work as a drama. No. No, it really doesn't. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't isn't some of the Eric Stoltz footage on like the the Back to the Future Blu-rays or something? Um, I want to say like two scenes. Isn't it one one of the scenes from the mall? Um, uh, supposedly, um, a shot of of Marty diving from behind the Doc's truck into the DeLorean. For a yeah. long time, it was believed that that shot was Eric Stoltz. Okay, it's been uh, debunked now that no, that that is a stuntman. Yeah, diving because in. I know that this, I, I know that they in the documentary footage and stuff that's on there, they do use some of the stills uh, uh, sure. from when Eric Stoltz was there. And I know that there's been a lot of talk about that footage being, or some of the footage in a way being released. I would um, love to see that. This is actually a great segue, though, because uh, in the, the, the beginning um, of Quantum Leap, um, the overall uh, arc of the show really, you know, getting produced in, in a lot of ways after it got greenlit by Brandon Tartikoff at NBC begins with Scott Bakula. He was the first person cast. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as he walked in and read, Belisario was like, that's the guy. Don't let him leave here without, you know, locking him down. Um the story goes that he got the call that night, he mm-hmm. accepted, and two weeks later they were shooting the pilot. Yeah. Um, it, it, within the span of those two weeks, they also hired Dean Stockwell. Now, Dennis, wow us with some more of your knowledge about Quantum Leap. Who were a couple of the other names that were in the running for Al Calavici? Ma- Actually, just Al. He had no last name. No, no, uh, Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. James Kahn. Is that the other one? I think so, yeah. No, oh, James Coburn. James Coburn. Oh, James Coburn. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. <laughs> um, and I do remember Dennis Hopper giving Dean Stockwell a hard time yeah. when he accepted the role because it's important to remember, like, now TV is, a lot of TV is considered prestige and people go back and forth between movie and TV shows very easily. Uh, but if you're a younger listener, like, back in that day, like, TV was like the kiss of death. If you ever wanted to be a movie star. And so Dennis Hopper considered it a huge step backwards for Dean Stockwell to, to take a TV and show. He, although the funny thing is, is unless I, unless I oh, no. have read things wrong or remember remembering things wrong, apparently um, Stockwell gave Dennis Hopper the pilot script. And after that, uh, Hopper was a little bit more... I mean, I think he still thought that it was not necessarily the best idea, but he was, sure. he, was uh, he was you know, a little more supportive, uh, thought that it was a good script and that it was interesting. Um, and, and, you know, two other names, actually, that were in there um, were Bruce McGill, who oh, that's right. yeah, 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 is yeah. in Genesis yeah. and also in Mirror Image, very important in Mirror Image, um, and 
The other name, which just tickles me, for so many reasons, Ian McShane. That's right. I mean, and, and if anyone's seen Deadwood, yeah. Uh, if anyone's seen American Gods, for that matter, like, I just imagine know. that guy as Al. <laughs> I, I uh, it would have been, it would have been interesting. You want to know the funny thing is, and mm-hmm. I, I, we've we've joked about this multiple times, and I know that one of the tweets that you threw out there at one point, or, or, or Facebook post, got a little hate actually. But uh, at one point, if they were going to do a reboot of the show, not at one point, even now, even now, if they did it, you could still hire Ian McShane as Al. And it would be a very like you would have to do the Game of Thrones version of Quantum Leap. Like this show would be dark. This show would be you know twisted. Mm-hmm. This show would be. But but Ian McShane would still to this day make a, a, just a hilarious Al in my opinion. I just want to see that as a sketch. Well, yeah, I do. I you'd have to utter at least three cocksuckers. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I threw it out there once. Uh, Nick Offerman. As Al, which and I could, to- which I could totally see, but uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of people who who did not disagree yeah. with that. Um, and, and to bring a little bit more of a of a twenty nineteen wokeness into it, as we like to do on our show, um, it would really be interesting to have a woman or a person of color or a woman of color, uh, not a white person. Yeah. Play Al uh, because or play Sam for that matter or play Sam yeah because I mean like the, the the nature of of Al's character on the show he was always he was always the perspective that Sam didn't have and Keller well, the truth he was he was the civil rights expert and you know in other you know in other episodes he was he was the feminist expert um, it would have been inter- it would be interesting in a in a new version of the show uh, to have to have someone not white in that role. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's one of the things that Doctor Who, in particular the last couple of seasons, um, has really explored by having a person of color um, as a companion. Um, Obviously not the first person of color, but, uh, you know, I think that the way that she was written differed a bit from prior companions. Um, Or companion. Um, I mean... Mickey only halfway counts. So uh, anyway, um, you know, and then and then of course this past season really having a very um, multifaceted uh, TARDIS crew. Uh, I, I think it would be very interesting to to see that, especially you know Sam. Uh, you know, even the name you could keep the name exactly the same. You know, still Sam Beckett, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many times when we see programs that deal with time travel um what was that nbc show that i never watched that recently got the axe that was the time travel show just recently the the nbc show that you never watched it got the axe times oh timeless timeless that's it (laughs) yeah yeah in the in the in the few (laughs) things apparently it's not so timeless after all i'm sorry i'm so sorry Mm -hmm. um but uh even even in the few you know, small snippets uh, of you know commercials that I saw for that. I could tell that when you know traveling through time, in particular, you have a female character. She's approaching everything through a modern day lens in those times. You know, even being like a historian or whatever. Whereas if you have somebody uh, traveling through time the way that Sam Beckett in Quantum Leap does, and that 
is a woman, then I think that it creates an entirely different sort of awareness, especially when she does inevitably leap into a man, um, and the way that she would find herself being treated or find others being treated. I, I don't know, it would be an interesting dynamic that I think could be explored in a very novel way compared to the way that Quantum Leap itself explored those things, mm-hmm. which I think was laudable, especially for the time. Sure. Um, but I think it would be it would be a different case today, the way that that could be done, especially if Sam, you know, had a, had a, a different gender identity. Yeah. Um, the, the, the crazy path that I took to get here, the reason why earlier when we were talking about Back to the Future and, and, and comedy uh, and drama... Uh, and why that was a perfect segue is because Scott Bakula early on um, in the um, production of Genesis, uh, he realized that Don Belisario, uh, the producers, the writers, everyone had a much more comedic tone in mind for the show Mm -hmm. and for the character of Sam specifically. And Scott Bakula fought against that and won that battle. Um... Rightfully so. I, I think that the balance that the show strikes, um, although we clearly do see early on some episodes that are more comedic than what we're going to get later on in the run of the show, I do think that if they had gone more comedic, the show would not work for me. Hmm. See, sometimes I feel like later in the series, Sam got a little bit too earnest. How so? Uh, I'm trying to think of a... Um, uh, I don't know. Like, right now, I can't think of a specific example. Just, like, sometimes I feel like he, he took himself a little bit too seriously. I don't know. Well, maybe. I think, you know, I wonder if... This is pure speculation. I wonder if any of that had to do with the fact that the show while not being a huge rating success at any point in time, had gotten some critical acclaim by that point. And the reason why it had gotten that critical acclaim and why any time it was nominated for any awards, it was always under a dramatic category, Mm. if maybe they were trying to steer into that. Ah, okay. And say, yes, we are that heavy drama examining these big social issues or or whatever. I don't know. That's pure speculation on my part, but... it does make me wonder if that had anything to do with it. For sure. I just really like, cause there, there were some definitively like some comedic moments in the early episodes. Like I remember very specifically in the pilot when, um, Sam gets dropped, you know, in the, in the, not the bomber, but like in the, in the, in the rocket, oh, in the he, he gets dropped yeah. in the rocket. And when Al finally shows up and he, and he drops, no pun intended. And he drops that he was late because he was, because he was at a ball game and he spent the night with Martha the double take that Sam does in that moment. Yeah. I remember that. Um, and I was and like, I mean like double identity. Yeah. The way Sam, I, the, the, the way yeah. Sam acts in that entire episode. Um, I don't know. Some, sometimes, uh, on whatever given day you catch me on today, I feel like sometimes Sam could, could have been a little bit more lighter through the series. I, yeah, I mean that's. I think that's a fair. That's a fair criticism. Um, I don't. I don't agree with that hundred percent. Sure. I think for me, I, I did always like it a little bit more when it was a little more serious. I mean, that said, I think that the home run that was hit by casting Scott Bakula oh, yeah. that they could do either one, and it was going to succeed. Yeah. 
I just think for me personally, if the show had a more comedic tone overall, yeah, and the character was more comedic, mm-hmm. that I think that I would not have appreciated it as much. Absolutely. In an um, alternate universe, Scott Bio Scott Bayo was cast. Oh dear God! And the show lasted one season, if that. Yeah, if that. If Quantum that. Leap, starring starring Scott Bayo and Ian McShane. Yeah. I mean, why not just go all the way and have Henry Winkler play out? <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that could work. Hey. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, so, so should we uh, kind of say, wait, like, so we put some stuff on Facebook, how people first discovered the show? Yeah. Um, I think that's a great idea. So obviously we talked about our experiences, but uh, Dennis, why don't you uh, give uh, us yeah, some, So, so look at a couple things. Uh, I was surprised at how many people saw it originally on NBC. Um, Me too. Um, in both of my polls that I put up in our group and in Quantum Leap fans, and I put it up in just specific that one because that seems like that has a lot of activity in there currently. So I figured that that would get a lot of feedback. I forgot USA in both of those polls, and I don't know how I forgot USA. Yeah, I, I, I'm ashamed I, to I, know you. I, I kind of mashed USA and Sci-Fi Network up in my brains, I think. Yeah. Um, so anyway, a lot of people said uh, uh, USA. They put that down in the comments. Um, and then, you know, we were very U.S. centric, um, but a, a lot of people, you know, they saw it on uh, BBC um, or they saw it, you know, uh, you know, they first saw it in Australia over there during its original run. And a lot of people kind of like me, um, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, Jeff and a couple other people, they originally uh, they discovered it mid-run on NBC, and then they caught the reruns later eventually on USA or the Sci-Fi Channel. In uh, yeah. our group, no one discovered it for the first time through DVD or the Blu-ray. Uh, but over in... Um, uh, da, 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 over in... Uh, Quantum Leap fans, uh, a lot of people um, originally run on NBC, and then after that, a lot of people Blu-ray and DVDs. Um, Interesting. So, uh, for example, uh, uh, Cheryl uh, Cheryl Min said that, that she she first discovered Enterprise, and through Enterprise, she fell in love with Scott Bakula, and from there, uh, she was able to get Quantum Leap on a thing called Quick Flicks, which okay. uh, which I'm not familiar with. I think she lives in Australia, so that is uh, so that is an Australian thing, perhaps. Yeah. You know the one the one outlet which I was surprised that no one mentioned, uh, and that and that I, I Dennis and I have been texting back and forth about what we wanted to do for the 30th anniversary, and, and one of the suggestions that uh, wasn't on the poll that that I made was streaming, and the reason why I thought that would be an interesting way is because it was on Netflix for a while. Yeah, uh, it's you know it was on Hulu. Uh, it's on the NBC website. So streaming, I feel like, it would be a, an easy way for people to be exposed to it today. However, the funny thing is, is because there was a choice for other, no one no one out and out said, I saw it for the first time on Netflix, or I saw it for the first time on Hulu or whatever. Yeah. Um, which, was, which was interesting to me, because for some reason, this day and age, I just figured that that was how people would discover the show more than any other way. Uh... I don't know. I guess because it's an older show, like on those streaming services, they're a little bit more buried. Yeah, that's like true. they're not going to just like you, you know, have to look for. Yeah, it. they're not going to just jump right out at you. You know, you may watch some you know bigger classic TV series and like, hey, because you watch this, here's Quantum Leap. But yeah, and it's even harder now because Hulu has put it behind an even deeper paywall. 
and you can't yeah. you can't get it the way you used to. Shaking um, my fist at Hulu. So, uh, so thank you to everyone who responded, by the way. And uh, how cool is it? You know, it, it kind of boggles my mind sometimes because it's so easy, especially you know, living in a big city. I feel like sometimes it's very easy to um, not. It, it, you feel a little insulated, as crazy as that might sound, mm-hmm. um, because everything you could need or want is is is, is pretty much right there. You, you know what I mean? Like, and and I think that that's more true of everywhere these days with with Amazon and whatnot. But especially in a big city, it's like you know I can order tacos at three o'clock in the morning if I want to. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, how cool is it though that there are people that we're interacting with and able to talk about this show that we love and have loved for thirty years that are living in Australia? or the UK, or, you know, all over the country, and it's, it's, it's really gratifying, and, you know, so we thank everyone who participated, and, um, you know, obviously, talking about his book, uh, you know, we've talked with Matt uh, Dale about uh, popping onto the show, again, at some point in the near future, to talk a little bit more, um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to do that, um, you know, obviously, folks like uh, Karen Saxon, who guested on an episode with us uh, as well, um, you know, it's cool to see her on there, and uh, you know, even some of the folks that maybe weren't able to participate or that we haven't talked to in a while um, that have been loyal listeners, like um, you know, Diana mm-hmm. Rosen and um, you know, and Hayden, and, and and just you know, everybody out there uh, that's been so interactive with us, we really appreciate it. And the plan for us right now is to continue with these polls um, for the next few weeks. Uh, to continue celebrating the 30th anniversary, we didn't want to just isolate it to one single episode. For sure, yeah. Um, and actually, yeah, we, we put out there to like for people to email us at uh, at our uh, our email account, quantumleappod at gmail dot com. Uh, we did get one email uh, one. from Dolan Jones, but I mean. In fairness, I we, I literally put this poll up about twenty four hours ago. Yeah, yeah. So so, yes, uh, yes. so we're going to hold off on that, and so uh, throw that invite out there, and continue throwing that up on our social media. Uh, but if you just wanna, if you want to shoot us an email uh, saying uh, what you know what the show meant uh, meant to you, uh, we'd love to read that on the air. Or if you'd like to record it um, like as an MP three or a WAV file and send that to us, like we'll drop that into an episode as well. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't you, have to be fancy or high tech. Just do it on your phone. It doesn't. Yeah, just you know. just just record it, pop it in, and uh, I mean, you've heard the sound quality of some of our episodes. We will, <laughs> <laughs> we will, we will work with whatever we can. Um, uh, but yeah, but uh, drop some more of those. Uh, drop some more of those in in the future yeah. as, as we continue on with. Uh, we're, we're coming up towards the end of the uh, the fourth season. Into the fourth season. Yeah, yeah. we have. Uh, we have uh, Unchained, and then we have The yes. Plays the Thing, and then Stand. I think we we'll, The Plays the Thing, Stand Up, The Curse of Tahoe Tep. I don't know. As, as, I, as I shuffle through my pages here. No, yeah, no, no. So we've got uh, Unchained, The Plays the Thing, Running for Honor. Um, oh, how can I forget Running for Honor? Oh, we got a Last lot more. What am I doing? Yeah. Song for the Soul. Jeez, Dennis. I'm, Ghost Ship. I'm, I'm, Roberto. I'm so eager to get to A Leap for Lisa because that's one of my favorite episodes. I know. We're, we're, not, we're not too far. We're not too far. But, but yeah, we're uh, you know, about halfway there, a little over halfway there. Um, I cannot wait to see Sam make out with, with the love interest of the week to uh, 
<laughs> I want to know what love is. Oh, I want you to show me. And Temptation Eyes. By the way, on DVD where they take that music out and they drop in the music. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough, man. That's... Uh... I'm glad I, you know, we're, we're fortunate to now be living in times where I think people are realizing how lucrative it is to be able to put these shows on. But even even then, there are some shows that will always suffer from music rights uh, not being a thing, you know, when it came to DVD and streaming back in the day. Um, Maybe that should be so a yeah, regular so- segment where we start playing the bad Muzak from whatever episode. <laughs> if there's if there's a particularly heinous example. Well, right, because what we really need to do is add more time to our episodes. <laughs> we we are nothing if not brief. Um, we are nothing. You know, so a couple other things real quick just to add on to what we were talking about. You know, um, yeah, keep keep participating. Send us emails. Uh, throw stuff up on Facebook, even unsolicited. You know, if there's just something that you're thinking about and want to help to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Quantum Leap, um, you know, you don't have to wait for, for a poll or for a post from us. Just feel free to post in the Facebook group or reach out to us on Twitter or something like that. Um, yeah, or if, or if you're know. yeah, or if you're not a part of our Facebook group already, I know you're probably part of like Quantum Leap fans or um, some other ones that have a lot of men. But yeah, jump yeah. on over, join our group uh, because we, even on the Reddit, you know, yeah. I'm going to throw something up there on Reddit on Tuesday because I feel like it's uh, it's worth noting. Obviously, that it's the 30th anniversary. Um, and getting back to that particular aspect, uh, you mentioned as a, a fan saying that they saw Scott Bakula on Enterprise and that that was what drew them to you know, find more out about him and eventually, you know, led them to Quantum Leap. Uh, it's interesting to me that one of the shows that Scott Bakula, and this is pre-Enterprise, this is like at a fan convention in like the mid-90s or something, he uh, name-checked Star Trek as being kind of one of his favorite shows and being a show that he was always, you know, kind of fascinated by uh, and, and never really thought of himself as being an actor that would do sci-fi or something like that. And obviously Quantum Leap was not necessarily always that sure you know, it was it was the anthology aspect of the show really did lead it to be more of a you know hour-long weekly drama as opposed to sci-fi fantasy show but uh um and then one day he would play a captain on a ship named enterprise that would yeah um, <laughs> so in uh, to kind of continue on with the early um production of the show um the production team that was put together um, you know, early on for the show, really, uh, without getting too comprehensive and, and naming a bunch of names, um, came together quickly. Uh, worked on you know a decent decent sized budget for the for the pilot, mm-hmm. um, but after that, you know, worked on maybe not a huge budget and were able to pull these things off that were you know transported viewers to another time and another place week by week. Um, you know, obviously we had our interview with uh, Jean-Pierre Dorleac, uh and he, you know his costumes were definitely a big part of that mm-hmm. um, and, and, and worth and worth noting. Um, but you also had uh, you know the entire production team working to make sure that the same house that was used every week looked like a different house, as Dennis would point out to us constantly. Um, hey, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, and thinks that I hate it, but I don't. I actually love it. Uh, I, I just I don't have the eye for it. I guess. Um, uh, Cameron Bur- uh, Beamy, uh, actually, or Bernie, I can't read right now. Uh, it's late. I'm a tired dad. Cameron Bernie, I believe, uh, was actually the production designer early on, and is responsible for you know transforming a lot of those uh, spaces and and, um, and sets that they worked on to to make sure that they would 
uh, not only be evocative, but uh, for the most part, you know, sure, there's some goofs here and there, um, be true to the time and place that they were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's, you know, obviously that's a key element to to any show that's going to deal with the past. Uh, the advantage that a lot of shows have that they're set in the past, they stay in the past. You know, if a show's set in the 50s, like that show American Dreams that was on, you know, like 15 years ago or whatever, every episode was set in like, you know, the late 50s, early 60s and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. It was easy to, to you, you just stayed there. Whereas with Quantum Leap, you know, one week you're in 1955, the next week you're in 1978. Um, so I think that that, uh, the, the continual process of being able to do that and pull it off successfully is certainly worth noting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's worth noting uh, the show was also Emmy nominated in the first season for hairstyling. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, for double identity. I can understand that. I mean, hell, part of the episode even took place in like a beauty yeah. shop. So, yeah, I think it was like costuming and hairstyling. Yeah, if I recall that correctly. Yeah. Um, um, uh, and then um, what else do we want to cover for this? Uh, like I said, we're going we're to be coming back and touching on a lot of these things. Um, I, I think it's worth noting that, that coming up on the 30th anniversary, because I remember when we were talking about this about this time last year, do you think they would do anything as big for the 30th anniversary as either the 20th anniversary? And uh, Hayden McQueenie, who, who sometimes he comments on our stuff on Facebook, um, he noted that, no, there were no plans. Yeah. Because just bringing everything together for the 20th anniversary was such a huge, uh, was such a huge struggle. That yeah, that there, there, were, there I, were really no plans for for a thirtieth anniversary. You know, and shindig. I, I, I can understand that. It, it, it's to be to be honest. Um, I say this in a bittersweet manner, um, but it, it's understandable. It was a show that lasted for five seasons. It didn't spawn a big franchise. It's not a you know, it's not a it's not a Star Trek or Star Wars behemoth or you know uh, anything that would necessarily fit in at a uh, at a Comic Con these days. Uh, you know, w- whatever um, the the you know some of the key members of the production um, are either in their eighties now, like Don Belisario and Dean Stockwell, uh, working on other successful television shows like Scott Bakula. Um, so I, I I think it is understandable. Um, that something like that couldn't be put together. Uh, I mean, yeah, and, when your show only has two stars, <laughs> it's kind of. I mean, because like, I mean, all the Star Treks, like you, you got a plethora. You know, even if William Shatner doesn't show up, uh, right. even if Patrick Stewart doesn't show up, you have a lot of other actors to choose from. And and, and Quantum Leap, you, you you really. I mean, guest stars are great and they're wonderful and they're awesome. Uh, but but Scott and Dean are the ones that most people are going to want to see and. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, and I think that having those two stars, though, uh, we touched on this just a little bit earlier, uh, it's one of the things that propelled the show um, to being so memorable, uh, I I think, because you, you know, you identified with those two guys or you didn't. um, And if you did, you were invested right away. And the developments that occurred between the two... And over the course of the season, were enough to kind of keep you invested, I think. And um, and and Scott Bakula, I think, deserves a tremendous amount of credit um, 
which is rare. I, I really do believe is rare in terms of television um, to have one actor to be able to single out in such a way. And this is not any sort of slight at Dean Stockwell. Uh, I mean, he's integral. He's, hmm. he's you know equally important. But I think that Scott Bakula deserves a tremendous amount of credit because if you didn't care about Sam Beckett, there was literally little to no reason to continue watching the show. Oh, absolutely. Especially as it went on. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that if the show were to be rebooted, mm-hmm. I doubt that it would rely on two actors the way that... that the original run did. You, you would have like a little bit more of a support team. Yeah. yeah. And I think this touches on, and, and Matt Dale talked about this when he guested on the show, is that his his big worry, and I, and I kind of have this worry too, is if they rebooted the show, it would do the trend that a lot of shows do today, and it would make the, the character, the main character is very dark and gritty. And I don't know if Sam would work as an, anti, as an anti-hero. As someone with a dark, bitter past. Like, you could very well easily do that with Sam just as it's written. His brother died in an unjust war. (laughs) His dad died of a heart attack, and he didn't even go home for the funeral. His little sister eloped with an abusive alcoholic. His wife, his beloved Donna, left him at the altar in the original history. He could have been dark. They could have really, yeah. they could have played with that, and they could have made him really, really, really angsty and emo. You know, I, I think, and I, I, it's funny because when we talked to Matt, which was what a little over a year ago, sure. I think. Yeah. I would honestly say, and call me crazy, but I would honestly say that in the year that has passed, I don't know that that's true anymore. And the reason why is I think that after Game of Thrones is over in a couple of months, you know, as we've seen other shows close up shop and in their runs, uh, as we look to the future uh, of TV in that way, personally, I would love to see Sam Beckett as we know him as our hero. Yeah, Make everyone I mean. else dark and fucked up. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, that's what I mean. But yeah, a- yeah I, that, I, I want to see Sam yeah. as he was originally. I don't want to see him go dark. I agree. And I, you know what? And this is going to sound insane, but I think that one of the things that has contributed to that in a lot of ways and will continue to contribute to that, and, and, and even though there are critics, rightfully so, out there of the entire genre that has sprung up around it, I, I think we can lay some thanks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe for that. I think what they have done with genuinely likable heroes Mm -hmm. over the past 10 years or so, with obvious dark moments thrown in there as well, has it's given the viewer of of, of genre fiction in that way something a little more hopeful, a little bit more lighthearted. You know, you you look at Captain America, you look at Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy, you look at Captain Marvel, for God's sake. You know, I mean, these are people that, in spite of their, you know, the darkness in their past and anything that they're dealing with, there's there's that hope, there's there's a little bit of a smile there, there's joy to all of it. And I think that that's exactly what we would have to see 
with Sam Beckett in a reboot is joy. Yeah. You know, um, clearly the struggle to get home, uh, the sadness, the longing, the, you know, the loneliness I think would be important. Yeah. Sure. But I think that the, you know, overall the, the, the joy, you know, just look at single drop of rain, which we talked about recently mm-hmm. when it starts to rain, man, yeah. just look at his face. Yeah. But overall, what I hear you're saying is overall the, the trend that TV needs to go is a little more Marvel and a little less DC. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and let's take that act on the road. <laughs> I hear that Donnie and Marie are going to uh, be exiting Vegas soon. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it, um, I, I think that just because we've kind of organically gotten to the to the, the reboot conversation, I know we've had it a little bit here and there before. I do. I think that if the show were to be rebooted, that that, that would be the way to go. I really do. Uh, and I think that for... Um, the serialized aspect of it, which I'm sure there would be, mm-hmm. uh, you could do some really interesting things, you know, with the gimmick of of the time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe even maybe even possibly give Sam a little bit more control over, or, or or give Project Quantum Leap a little bit more control over where he goes. Um, you know, and and see sure. and see how see how that plays out. Um, I don't know. Uh, that was an aspect of timeless. Yeah, yeah. That that I don't know. By the way, speaking of, in like a little tangent here, there's a great meme that's made its way around. I keep meaning to throw it up on Twitter and tag Jean Pierre Dorlayac. Uh But there's this great meme going around. It's like I want to see in some time travel TV show, like where they actually like have to like travel back in time and like get costumes and get everything like i want to see them go to the costume person and the costume person just go off and i won't even try to recreate it i'll just put it up in the in the group but just like the costume person being no nonsense take no bullshit like are you kidding me no you can't go back to this because do you know how much work has to go into making uh, something authentic for this time period no you can't wear trousers stan And I'll throw that up in the group because uh, every time I read it, I think of John Pierre. Um, That's awesome. Uh, but okay, it, so but that is to say, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Time travel shows where they have more control over it. I don't know why it never it never does it for me. And I don't think total control. Sure, I think total control would be a mistake. But maybe a little more, a little more control. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and maybe part of it is is that instead of a leap being one episode long, you know, the the way that you do it is like. A leap is a few episodes. That would be so awesome. So instead of just being, you know, yeah, exactly. So we do get to spend a little more time with some of these supporting members and stuff, you know, and and, and the families that he's with and that sort of thing, you know. I mean, imagine some of the episodes that we've talked about that were kind of like, oh, I would have liked to have lived there a little longer. Um, I think in today's world of television could be accomplished. Um, so it would be interesting. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I'm fine if it never happens. I'm totally fine. Um, I'm f- at this point, I've given up hope. Anytime there's a thing where it comes out where Don Belisario says blah 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 something blah 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 blah, I will right, right. I will believe it when I see the casting notice. Um, so <laughs> a a a a yes yes I I agree. I even then I'd have to, they'd have to be going into production. I, I, okay, um, I, I until I see the trailer, until I see yeah, production, until I see production photos. That's when I'll believe that it's actually so happening. It's, you know, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to segue now mm-hmm. uh, into something uh, about production photos and publicizing the show originally. 
uh, it's interesting that things were kept pretty vague. Um, they didn't out and out tell you what the premise of the show was. It wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't a, uh, a cut and dry sort of like, this guy is, is leaping through time trying to set things right that once went wrong. And you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was just a little bit more like you knew, you knew that something happened. You knew that this guy uh, woke up in the 50s one day mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but that they didn't tell you too much about it, which I think was also kind of smart yeah. um, at the time. Uh, by the time that the show did premiere, uh, it was Sunday, March 26th. Um, and it premiered as a as a two hour movie event. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in syndication reruns, the episode was chopped into two, sure, uh, two parts. Um, it was the first DVD that was also created. was was Genesis. Uh, I have a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we the, there uh, there was a uh, a, a brief short uh, VHS series as well. That's right. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, there were there were VHS um, only the, a handful uh, of episodes. Yeah, Leap Home uh, Part One and Two were, were were two of the episodes that were available uh, on VHS. Um, I think MIA might have been available as well. Um, it was a weird. The, uh, it was like uh, what price Gloria Dreams. Yeah. Uh, looking back, I wonder if it was. Um, Episodes where they had less music rights issues to deal with. Interesting, could be. Um, but yeah, I, I had those for a while, and then and then eventually got rid of them. But yeah, um, it's it's worth noting that uh, as as some of our listeners have have also talked about when they first saw the show, that it, of course did not air uh, immediately around the world, but there was some time uh, delay. Um, in fact, it took almost a full year for it to premiere on uh, BBC Two in the UK on February 13th, 1990. Um, in Germany, it wouldn't air until January of 1991. Um, in France, it was September of 1993. Um, and um, Estonia and Hungary got the show in 1999. Uh, oh, so wow. a full decade after it had aired. Um, and we were talking about the, this is actually a quote that, uh, Matt puts in his book, um, that is also available elsewhere. Um, but at the 20th anniversary leap back convention, Don Belisario is quoted as saying, it's the best show I ever created. It's the one I love the most. And Scott is the best star I ever worked with. Um, and I think that that is just a, it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment, mm-hmm. you know. It really is, and and with I know the special place that the show holds in my heart, and 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 obviously that um, holds in your heart as well. Uh, hearing something like that, you can't help but but smile. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so one last thing to to kind of chat about uh, real quick, because we do intend on talking about the novels at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about Prelude. Just a little bit. Um, it's been a long time since I read it, probably close to 20 years. Um, but uh, some of it does stand out. I think I've read it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it does stand out pretty vividly for me. Um, as a prequel to the show that we know and love, uh, what did what did you think, Dennis? I don't know. It's been years since I've read it. I would have to go yeah. back and... Uh, the only thing I, I honestly remember... 
Like, like I, I only remember like a couple key bits. Like, I remember the last sequence of like what eventually leads Sam to leaping. I remember how Ziggy ends up getting named. Uh, yeah. I remember Sam getting attacked. Yeah, and that being a bit of, uh, uh, of drama, and, and it's weird because like, um, you don't see Sam get personally attacked throughout the show. Like, he gets attacked a lot, yeah. but not Sam Beckett right. getting attacked. You know what I mean? Uh, so that storyline and, and uh, the explanation of where Sam gets his gray streak of hair, yeah, which is actually yeah. true to Scott Bakula. Those, yeah, those are, I'll have to go back and, and reread that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, when we are going and talking about a, a re- possible reboot in modern television and that sort of thing, I feel like that the that, that prelude feels almost as though it would live better in that space. Not that it doesn't fit with the original show, Mm -hmm. but that the way that it chooses to tell its story and some of the things that happen feel... Because television is much more, you know, especially, you know, dramatic hour-long television is much more a novel for TV as opposed to being hour-long is that you could just drop in on at any time and, you know, not have to watch every episode and whatnot. Uh, This novel feels very much more in that vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does feel a little darker. At it times, is. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, I enjoyed it. I don't necessarily see it as being the definitive version of events. Uh, but because, you know, being the doctor who junkie that I am and, mm-hmm. uh, and owning all the novels that I do, I, I, for me personally, it is kind of fun to think of the, the books as being like the real deal, you know, these, the, oh, these sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, so even if it wouldn't necessarily be exactly how I would have told that story, uh, or didn't, I didn't need the explanation for his shock of gray hair, for instance. Oh, like, sure. It's fine. It's fun. Yeah. Um, but some of the stuff is really, really interesting and I feel like it does flesh things out and it, and it, uh, it provides a little bit more information to, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of threw Sam into the accelerator chamber? Yeah, um, and and it's how some the legitimate was fan built. wank. It yeah. is. It really is. It's, it's some legitimate fan wank. Uh, yeah. So, so speaking licensed of novel, fan uh, wank. Yeah. Uh, another thing I, I reread recently, a foreknowledge. One of the the novels later in the series, one of my favorite novels, is that the author of that book. You know how much he was paid for writing that book? Oh no! How much? Four thousand dollars. Oh wow! Okay. I don't know, me, me in my mind, like, right, I mean, even like a smaller novel of any kind, like, at least, like, 20000 something. At, at, at least, like, a half year's salary. Did they get I don't know. Did they get, well, yeah, but come on, like, a lot of times these, these type of books are churned out in, like, a month or, or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway. I, 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 some of them are very, very, very good, and I, and I have read books that are, you know, for licensed properties whether it be Star Trek or Doctor Who or whatnot, that are very, very, very good books. And the writers deserve a hell of a lot of credit because they work their asses off. And a lot of times, you know, those guys are having to write, you know, four or five books a year, whereas big novelists write one every three or four years, and, you know, they're set. Sure. Um, but... Sure. But, yeah, uh, it, is, it, is, it is interesting to, to think that... Uh, yeah, four grand. That does seem. I mean, I I was thinking you were going to say less than that, but that does. Even then, still four grand seems a little low. Yeah, I'll um, up for that. Yeah. 
so uh, here we are. Here we are. Um, I think that's a pretty good start to like our, our 30th anniversary discussion. Yeah, and we'll be peppering things in, like I said, throughout sure. the, you know, the, the, the next few weeks in particular and, and try to be more active uh, on our social media. Uh, to talk about things. Uh, but this episode has obviously been kind of off the cuff. We didn't do a whole lot of planning. We've been very busy lately. Um, but we'll be back next week with uh, Unchained. Um, or Unchained Melody, depending on what TV guy description you read. I just, it, God, <laughs> I, it makes no damn sense at all. There's no, I just, uh, all right. So listeners, here's your homework. Um, in the meantime, tell us about some of your favorite memories of Quantum Leap. It doesn't even have to be about a specific episode. It can just be about something that happened to you that made you think of Quantum Leap or anything like that. Uh, we want to hear about your favorite memories associated with the show. We also want you to watch Unchained, so you're ready for us to talk about it next week, because uh, you've been waiting for like four weeks for us to get yeah, to this Yeah, I, I have to go back and rewatch Unchained. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, for bonus points, watch The Defiant Ones, with Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier, which this episode does indeed owe a bit of its premise to. Yeah. So. And for bonus bonus points, watch Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No. It lifts a... Like, there, there is one character in, in Unchained where it almost seemed like the director said, here, copy this character from Cool Hand Luke. Down to the costume. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, bonus episodes, yeah. Bonus points. There, there are no, there are no rewards for these bonus points. We can't give you anything. No. But we're just we'll, too we'll, tired we'll to add. Give you a shout out. We'll tell you. We'll give a shout out. Too. Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Awesome. We and, should and wrap add, up and add anything that you want to add too. If you have any anything that you want to add about what we've talked about today, uh, you know, feel free to throw some stuff up there because we by no means were exhaustive um, talking about the genesis of the show, um, you know, or that night thirty years ago when. Sam, little seven-year-old Sam, sat in front of his TV and started on the journey of a lifetime. It's brought him here now. Yeah, and I would join you a little bit later. Yeah. But anyway, we're so, going to put some more stuff on the social media this week. And yeah. I think it's time to leap out of here. I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> So peaceful. Yeah. Time to leave out here. Thank you for listening, everyone, and your patience getting, getting, uh, getting with us this far. Yeah. And... Uh, and we will be back soon with Unchained. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Can't see, you'll never know.